Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. As we head into the weekend, I've got an extra bonus drop today from Anstis Acast and from my friend Mark Binkley, who hosts that podcast. Mark had myself, Steph Hammerlink, who also has his own podcast, on to just talk about the year. And together, I think we've probably interviewed hundreds of marketers and people related into the marketing, advertising, branding community. And this was a chance for us to reflect on what we've learned, and um, hopefully you enjoy this conversation. Without any more from me, I will drop you right into the Anstis Acast podcast episode with myself, Steph Hammerlink, and Mark Binkley. Um, I, I, the, the interplay between brand strategy, business strategy, and marketing strategy is very, very murky, right? Like, and it's very confusing to a lot of people. Um, at its simplest core, I always think about business strategy as like the strategic choices of which markets are we going to be in versus other markets. So um, I always think about that in terms of like, you know, an outcome is like mergers and acquisitions. Do I need to go buy something, merge with somebody, or, or it could be new product development, like innovation, like we're going to go in organically build this ourselves. And then I think a marketing strategy is like, okay, how do we, how do we attack that market? Right? Like, so now we're going to the market level and deciding how, what are we going to, how are we going to play in that market? Who are we going to serve? All those types of decisions. And then I think about brand, um, brand is the, probably the hardest one to to fit into a linear model because to your point, Steph earlier and Mark, your point, it, it needs to leverage the business strategy and the marketing strategy. Um, and it means you have a lot more stakeholders to, 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 to bring to the table in that regard. Hi, I'm Sheena Rogers Pfeiffer and welcome to the ACAST, a place where marketing truths prevail. Through the eyes of some of the most talented industry experts, we will help you navigate through everything you thought you knew or wish you had known about the ever-evolving and complex world of marketing communications. Thanks and enjoy. <laughs> well, I'm super excited about joining two colleagues, uh, officially colleagues from around the world. Um, Steph, uh, Steph, how do I say your last name? Is it Hammer Hammerlick? 
Yeah, Hammerlink. It's perfect like that. Americans do tend to say Hammerlink. It's, it sounds cooler, but it's Hammerlink. <laughs> okay. And then Alan Hart, um, welcome. Uh, thank you. To our show. Yeah. <laughs> this is so strange for me. The Three Musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all podcasters. We've all interviewed a bunch of people mm -hmm. and in the marketing realm. And I, I'm really excited about this conversation today. It's an idea that we all had it about you know, sharing ideas about things we've learned from interviewing other people. Um, so before we get into that, um, just maybe Steph, start if, if you don't mind, just to kind of explain you and the podcast you, you, you have and why you started it. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, about three, four years ago. I don't remember. I started the podcast because I was mainly a brand designer and I started doing a lot more brand strategy related stuff and so i was looking for information on on how to do more of that and and get a bigger scope of what a brand is about and how to build one and so i started this podcast and it started with interviewing brand strategists from around the world and then it grew into marketing scientists and and all kinds of practitioners and and authors and like a whole bunch of people and and i slowly gradually realized like the essence of the podcast was a little bit about like trying to debunk a lot of the branding fluff that's out there mm -hmm. that's kind of where i like felt very comfortable at because there's there's a lot of a lot of bs in in branding yeah. and and so also interesting to see how i gradually overlapped with marketing more and more because I started talking to people like Byron Sharp and stuff like that. But we'll get into that, I yeah. think, in that in maybe that overlap and what the differences are later because I may be the strange one here from the bunch in the sense that I'm a little bit more on the branding, brand strategy side, but I talk a lot about marketing as well. Hmm. Awesome. And Alan, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, so I... Well, I've been doing marketing consulting or, or marketing my entire career. And about, I guess, about five or six years ago, I was leading a consultancy and um, we needed two things, basically we needed to expand our network. And so interviewing people was one way to do that. And, uh, and right. then the other piece is I had been doing some thought leadership around CMOs for a number of years, and many of them just wanted to abandon the use of the marketing title, which scared me as a marketer. And I, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, and I said, why is that? Everyone wants to call themselves a business executive, not a marketing executive. And mm -hmm. um, I felt like better knowledge, better, um, you know, uh, highlights from marketing would maybe help. So in a small way, I was hoping I might save the, the use of the marketing word for by executives mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, by doing these interviews. Get, <laughs> yeah. You wanted to get the dirty taste out of, out of the mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Um, and, and for better or worse, I don't think that the trade presses do a great job of covering marketing. They do a great job covering advertising, but maybe not marketing. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah, fair enough. What about you, Mark? Um, Mark, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, for myself, I mean, this started as I had done a podcast maybe ten years ago, um, way back when. I, I had this idea of like the goodwill hunting thing, where I figured I could do my own MBA uh, for the price of you know late fees and a couple of book <laughs> book rentals from the library. So <laughs> one of the tools that I had used to I, I, you know, scoured all these different MBA programs and looked at their curriculum and built my own um, more marketing branding based thing. And one of the things I did to learn was really around um, podcasting experts in the field to try and understand, you know, more about business and more about how systems work and uh, brand strategy. Ultimately, what I was trying to do is draw branding which turned out to be a monumentally challenging task and I'm not a very good drawer. So, um, <laughs> anyway, I, I really enjoyed that experience. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, and we're looking for our organization, looking at producing content, uh, putting, positioning ourselves as thought leaders in the space. Mm -hmm. Again, for me, wanting to find people with really good answers, Steph, to your point, there's so much bullshit out there. And, I was just like getting lost in all these different ideas and theories and 
models and processes and not really knowing what worked. Mm. So that was sort of my quest for this series of podcasts is to be able to answer what does work. Um, and then also, you know, all those other things I talked about. Who is your favorite, like, guest on the show? <laughs> for me? Yeah. Oh, that's like, what's the movie? Pritzi's Choice or whatever, Sophie's Choice. <laughs> like, I, there's, it's like each, each person I've interviewed is so, uh, like, fascinating for so many different reasons. Uh, I, I'd say, like, I've really been fortunate that I've gotten the interview of a number of people. Like you talked about Byron Sharp. I interviewed um, Jenny Romanic, uh, Mark Ritson. Um, those are probably the most famous names, but I mean, just the, I mean, it's really hard to say. There's, there's a couple of girls, I inter ladies I interviewed who run an AI company. Mm. Um, for the most part, nobody would have heard of them, but like, just, it's fascinating hearing what, people are working in and what they're doing and how mm -hmm. uh, the kinds of projects that they're trying to tackle and the solutions they're trying to solve for. Yeah. 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 I, I hate that question actually, because <laughs> it's like trying to pick, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's it. trying to pick your favorite kid. Um, and, and, yeah. uh, you know, luckily I only have one daughter, so I, she's always my favorite, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we share a, a number of interviews. I think the same. Like Mark, I, Mark Ritson, I always love talking to because he's just hilarious. Um, I yeah. haven't gotten to him. Like I, I tried reaching yeah. out, and we said like, "Yeah, we're gonna do it," but it didn't work out yet. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, I've heard him on so many podcasts, and at a certain point, you wonder whether you need to do another <laughs> Mark Ritson conversation. That's true. But man, I, I do love the his his takes on on marketing, and and yeah, yeah. I agree. Sharp was definitely a, like a turning point for me, not per se the podcast interview as such, but just discovering mm. the whole Ehrenberg Bass Institute. That yeah. was like a big turning point for me because I was a more traditional branding person, mm. like mm -hmm. obsessed with differentiation and stuff like that. And once I started talking to people like him and Wiebe Schneiders and, and Jenny and, and a lot of people, like mm -hmm. I discovered a whole new world a brave new world out there and it's interesting to see how those two can come together well along that lines stuff like and now we're, we're i'm for full transparency we're stealing all of your questions you always ask your guests and, and so i'm gonna okay. try and well I'll, I'll probably butcher the um, the way you've laid them out but i'll uh i think there's such a great structure in that so what you were just talking about steph made me think about one of alan's questions is which is um, what topic do you guys think we as marketers need to be learning more about? Mm. That's an interesting question. I'd, I'd probably say, and this is going to sound weird, but I think what, what, what I see as a big problem is people in marketing are really good at like the research segmentation, positioning stuff, maybe also like more the comms, the tactics, all of that. What very often is missing there is a little bit the part where it's more about branding. And I do mean probably visual identity design, but also Sonic, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because of obviously it's a different discipline. And I would say the same for branding people. They're lacking the other side. And I know you can't be all of that, but I think there should be more like conversation and overlap between those two because if you go to a marketing agency you'll get a completely different vibe than a branding agency and completely different conversations and i don't think that's uh that's a good point to be at mm -hmm. yeah. how about you Alan? i mean i for me i think it's less about learning something new and maybe just making sure we reinforce the basics <laughs> you know um yeah whether that's you know the the how mark you know how brands grow from byron sharp or you know just the basic 4p model um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know of you know, pricing positioning uh promotion and uh placement Place. and, and yeah and i i feel like many times we get too far outside of that and um it uh it starts to fall apart fairly quickly mm -hmm. um I'm doing some research. There'll be a forthcoming podcast episode with a company called a test. And um, we asked one simple question at the beginning of the survey 
for everyone that's taken it, you know, it, what, uh, what made you choose the last brand that you purchased? And, hmm. you know, 54%, I think something like that was price. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the thing that hmm. is constantly in the news right now around purpose, it was 8% or just slightly less mm-hmm. than 8%. Hmm. And so if I think about that, I'm like, we still have to get the fundamentals right before we can do anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would maybe f- double down on the fundamentals, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, I, I'm, I'm, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. I, I'm just to build off what you guys are saying, because the fundamentals part is really key. And, and like what you're saying, Steph, about the brand identity aspect in the visual community and Sonic and, you know, all the, the sort of distinctive asset stuff that Jenny talks about mm-hmm. in, in, in that sort of discipline, I think is critical. And we often are afraid of doing that. Like, it's almost like, I remember we were working one of my old jobs. I was working with them. Um, it was in retail, a sporting goods store. And one of the consultants we had worked with at one point is like, it's almost like you guys are ashamed of being yourself. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah. nobody's knows you from Nike, from Adidas, from, he's like, you should be yourself. Yeah. Like make sure people know. So I think that's really critical. Um, and, and going, you know, to st- build off of what Alan said too, like the four P's is so critical. And I think one of the things that marketers get labeled as is actually we're saying marketers, but most often we're advertisers. Mm, and yeah. and I think marketing, when you think about, you know, marketing is everyone's job and those kinds of things, it is about the four Ps. Mm. And we were chatting before, earlier about uh, the marketing land diagram. And, and for me, that was like a revelation. I took Ritson's course and uh, one of his courses anyway. It's, it was amazing. Uh, but like understanding the discipline of marketing, how you, you can skip just the tactics, <laughs> but unless you do the stuff at the beginning, like market orientation, market research, segmentation, building out a proper segmentation map, then you kind of like whatever you're going to say you do in the targeting and positioning probably isn't going to work nearly as well as had you started from the beginning. So I feel like that's a really valuable um thing to think about yeah i i so i i agree hard on all things mentioned and i think yeah what what alan said about the four p's it's it's really interesting for me because i came from like a different industry and we were when we were talking to marketing people quote unquote most of what i heard was like yeah we're seo sea uh, social media campaigns right. whatever so at a certain point like you start to really just associate marketing people with that that part of of marketing which is just a small part even of the promotional p mm-hmm. and like when i started reading more and and people like ritz and started sketching that broader understanding i was thinking like who's actually doing all of this stuff we're seeing here mm-hmm. in, in the graph. And I, I guess it's like it moved or it's everyone in the organization, mm-hmm. but it's probably like so much equated now to business strategy in a way. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's really interesting for me to see, but it is marketing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I wonder, Alan, if that is maybe like this diagram, thinking about this, maybe part of the reason why people wanted to get away from the CMO title. Because <laughs> it's it's yeah. too linear in the advertising sort of vertical. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean it may be. I mean, I think the a couple of things I think were going on at that point in time. B two B marketers in particular were were jettisoned the marketing function, <laughs> uh, and I, I think just historically in the B two B space they they've been known as the Marcoms folks, uh, you know, yeah. and it's more about the promotion or the communications piece. And so they wanted to swim back up to strategy, right? What, how do we talk about the product? What, how is the product designed? What is the product supposed to, you know, what market is it trying to serve, et cetera. Um, on the consumer side, I think there's always been, maybe, maybe it's been a little bit more, um, focused on marketing and, um, you know, less about business, but it, de- it still depends on the industry, I think. Um, but I agree. I think the CMO 
in many organizations now has a much more um, latitude to be a, a, mm-hmm. a true player at the C-suite um, with mm-hmm. their peers and bring kind of a business strategy or business perspective to the table as well as marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad to see that because it, it wasn't always that case. You know, CMOs sometimes reported to the, the, a, a president of a division or a COO in some cases when I started mm-hmm. this process. So it's nice to see them at, with their own seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe one take I, I, I want to share. It's more of like almost a, an open a question or an observation towards you is like what I've been seeing as a brand strategist is that very often what I'm doing is partly going through this, like what we see here, diagnosing, understanding the market, mm-hmm. making sure we position the brand properly. And that is then labeled as we're doing brand strategy or we're defining the brand strategy. And then afterwards, we start talking to the marketing people, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. And and I know this is semantics and, and stuff, but it's also how it's how it lives in organizations in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me how I see like, in a way, brand strategy is like this new layer being built on top while it's in reality, not it's just marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. But, and, and then what's really interesting about that is that you see here in the, this graph, like at the end, there's the brand beach where <laughs> it's all fun and chill to hang out. But in a way, brand strategy is also like leveling a little bit on that on top. I don't know if you've experienced similar things. I've seen similar. This is really just my mm-hmm. like limited view on, on what's happening. Yeah, if I, I'll jump in if you don't mind, Alan. Like I, yeah. I just recently was reading a couple of things on LinkedIn. One was from Roger Martin, who I think is amazing. Yeah, he's um, a great guy. Yeah. Oh my God, he's so smart. And then there was another post about from a, another, I can't remember the guy's name. I think he was a, it was a professor somewhere. The, the professor's argument was um, brand strategy or marketing strategy is not the same thing as business strategy. And then I may be butchering this, but Roger Martin's version is doesn't fucking matter who does it. Somebody <laughs> needs to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. My words, not his. Yeah. But ultimately, I think Roger Martin's take is like it it can be marketing. And if they're I mean, his take, I think, is that if you're properly trained on how to do this stuff, then it really doesn't matter who's doing it. Right. So long as it gets done. And and I think that's why maybe Steph, that you've seen that some of the this brand strategy work that you're doing sits above the marketing department because you do Mm -hmm. have to have all different stakeholders involved in that. Mm -hmm. And it's not just. You know, it's not just the way you position a product or a company in an ad. It has to be everything that the company does. Yeah, love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. I agree with with your paraphrasing of uh, Roger Martin. You know, it doesn't matter who does it as long as somebody does. Uh, I mean, I I think the sad thing is, is there's a lot of businesses where it just never gets done. Um, mm. You know, and mm-hmm. and you know, we 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 find brands start to to decay and um that's that's yeah. just a really sad thing um i, I the, yeah. the interplay between brand strategy business strategy and marketing strategy is very very murky right like and it's very mm-hmm. confusing oh, yeah. to a lot of people um at its simplest core i always think about business strategy is like the strategic choices of which markets are we going to be in versus mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. markets. So um, I always think about that in terms of like, you know, an outcome is like mergers and acquisitions. Do I need to go buy something, merge with somebody? Right. Or or it could be new product development, like innovation. Like we're going to go in organically build this ourselves. And then mm-hmm. I think a marketing strategy is like, okay, how do we how do we attack that market? Right. Like, so now we're going to the market level and deciding how, what are we going to, how are we going to play in that market? Who are we going to serve all those types of decisions? And then I think about brand, um, brand is the, probably the hardest one to, to fit into a linear model because to your point, Steph earlier and Mark, your point, it, it, 
it needs to leverage the business strategy and the marketing mm-hmm, strategy. Yeah. Um, and it means you have a lot more stakeholders to, 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 to bring to the table in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some element, unless you're P and G, you know, Procter and Gamble and you've got like a house of brands where each brand can have its own special brand strategy. Um, most mm-hmm. of the time the brand is the company and vice versa. Um, and so it, it, it mirrors the company strategy more than it does a specific product. Yeah. And, and I guess the like company that's strategy more than it does. Part of the issue with brand product. strategy is that like everything is brand. So everything is kind of brand strategy in a way, yeah. mm-hmm. but that that's also like, you could look at this graph and say, well, yeah, that's all brand strategy, but, I, I get why it's like brand beaches at the end because it's like it's the output of mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. and it's it's what gets in touch with consumers and where there's a lot of things happening. Maybe there could be like some like gondols and, and subways going back mm-hmm. up and there, <laughs> up and down to to illustrate that it's not like a one way stream going down, but it's actually more of like communicating vessels. Mm-hmm. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. In terms of, um, I, actually, I don't know. I know there's a little logo at the bottom. I actually never read it to see who designed that graph, but it's. I think they yeah. did a pretty good job <laughs> at, at, at like trying to articulate a really complex idea in an easy way. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The proper marketing club. club. There you yes. go. Huh. That's a great. It name. Sounds very Brit- British. <laughs> the proper marketing club. <laughs> we don't have any Brits at we the don't. Table, so we can laugh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the so, Chartered Marketing Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So for you guys, um, thinking back to some of the podcasts, some of your favorite podcasts you've ever done, mm. uh, your favorite guests, or or the ones you learn most from, like, is there which ones do you think of that or come to mind either looking at this uh, chart or diagram that we've got here or even just, you know, based on some of the conversations that we had? Yeah, I I, I had this be, I, before I had this thought, it slipped away, but now it's back. So I had a conversation with Faisal Siddiqui um, last week, actually. So it's quite top of mind. And he uh, mentioned this uh, really interesting fact about um, marketing. Let me just try and uh, get it right in words, so I don't so I don't mess it up quickly. <laughs> let me let me pass it on to Alan okay. or, or somebody else. I'm gonna find it because Who? it was a really good quote. Who is Faisal? I don't know Faisal. <laughs> Faisal is like he's the founder of the Creative Business Company. Mm. Okay, um, it's yeah, they're not well known, but they're from Toronto, and he he recently released a white paper on like how to build big brands on a small budget. Oh, okay. It was a really interesting conversation. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll go grab that quote sure. quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, while while you're looking for that quote, I mean, my some of my favorites have been. Um, and Mark Ritson talking about diagnosis of a brand um, mm-hmm. and how he approaches that. It was fascinating. Um, I love talking to a guy named Bob Hoffman. Um, oh, I've listened to a couple of years with him. Yeah. They're he great. Com- he's really it, good. He, he, he's like the voice of truth, right? Like he yeah. comes from the ad agency industry, but 
doesn't believe all the hype and the BS that come out of that industry. And mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's it's like no one would care if your brand disappeared tomorrow, right? Like mm-hmm. we would just go on to the next thing as as people do. And um, and so it just it, it, it's nice and grounding, if you will. Um, every mm-hmm. conversation I have with him, and um, I don't know. I mean. There's been so many that I've, I mean, every guest that comes on, I learned something from. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of the more interesting stuff recently would be, um, there's definitely a lot of push towards what I call branded entertainment, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting to me as a, as a potential new promotion channel. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's one that, um, it's going to be hard to do right, frankly, mm-hmm. but if you can, if you can do it, um, you know, brands that stand out in that space, like a Red Bull or, um, even in the yeah. B2B space, there are some, I think Salesforce is actually doing a fairly decent job of this as well. Um, sponsoring podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and other entertainment slash edutainment, um, yep. venues. Um, I think it's a pretty interesting extension of marketing into a new space yeah, i did a podcast yeah, with I, 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 sorry go ahead sorry, sorry i found a quote yeah. uh i'm just gonna drop it in here and then <laughs> i'll let you have it so um faisal said something along the so he says like in a regular business you really there's no one taking the time or a few weeks out to look at consumer or the market and all that stuff and really take a deep dive in into this whole contextual space around the brand and then he says something like along the lines of, so you're going to do all of that, like all see all of that potential to write a fucking comms brief. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> I really liked it because it's like, it opens up the idea. Like there's, there's potential for us to influence business decisions mm-hmm. and brand and, and marketing and all of those. And I think that was like a, a really good thing to say because there's not a lot of people looking at it from this far yeah. at the island. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, well, the, yeah, so two thoughts. One on um, branded entertainment um, and then one on that that quote you just had. Um, so on the branded entertainment side, I, I interviewed a, a woman by the name of Karen Whitney Vernon who works for a company in Canada that does brand and entertainment. Mm. It was really fascinating listening to some of the examples they have um, and, and projects they've worked on because it, it, and especially in the context of um, like the 50, 50, like, you know, or 60, 40 rule right. with yeah. investing in brand, investing in tactical, mm-hmm. the brand stuff. If you, you know, dig into that and you believe that it's about influencing customers tomorrow who, don't care that much about mm-hmm. you and aren't going to respond to uh, you know buy now messaging because advertising is a weak force, not a strong force. And you know if the goal for those people who are not in market today is just to get them to remember you at all in specific mm-hmm. buying situations, then brand entertainment is actually a really interesting opportunity, but you know is hard sell, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it, it doesn't have the ROI that you would normally tie to or yeah. want or expect or expected to tie to things. Agree. Agree. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's definitely right now it's, it's kind of a luxury of big brands, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's easy to carve I, off I, a yeah. little sliver. I remember like an interview with the, I think was the Casper founder, like the mattress brand. Mm-hmm. And he said like, at a certain point they wanted to build this media company around sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, sounds smart but he said like we did podcasts and videos and a whole bunch of stuff and after i think a year or two they had to cut the whole thing down because it wasn't getting them um the things they wanted i I guess it has to really be ingrained in the business in a a way like red bull Mm -hmm. how they own these sports and and also create a lot of media i think it works well for them but it's definitely not a like a a one way solution mm-hmm. for for a lot of things it, mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money money you could be spending mm-hmm. elsewhere i guess for sure yeah, agreed and the other thought i had about what you're just saying steph on the quote from that guy is like you know instead of writing just a comms brief like the choice and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier and i always think about roger martin's cascade and like the nested cascade and playing to win but 
like the choices that you make in this, like once you get to the market segmentation, then you mm -hmm. have this idea of like where the business can go, mm -hmm. what, what segments the business can go to serve with products, services, whatever the case may be. And you have to choose those ones carefully because that means later down the line, it's not just about an ad. It's about like, what is the right price for the products we're developing for that specific segment and not that one? And how do we distribute it uh, mm -hmm. to those people? Yeah. And then how do we then promote? Like, so the promotion part, you know, I think is at the very end because it, it's like lipstick on a pig. Otherwise, you, you know, you, you can't change the pig. It's still a pig if what you have is a pig. But you don't have to have a pig if you do the market segmentation and market orientation stuff right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's smart. And it, and maybe it, it it might lead to the conclusion that like a good comms brief can in a way be like the crystallization of all the other stuff that goes above it mm -hmm. but it's I, i guess it's more about where the decisions are being made and and your role within that mm -hmm. and i think it's there's definitely more opportunity but it really depends on the engagement i mean i've my my aunt and i know some other people who work in advertising the whole model of like pitching a campaign based on some basic research and presenting a bold idea i think it's like mm -hmm it's so counterintuitive for me because it, like there's no way to dig into what's happened before and what has worked and, and like doing some strategy work mm -hmm. basically. So I, I find it always like really weird in a way. This, this is like a, a different world for me. And I don't know I could, if I could handle it to, to do strategy in that way. Mm. Yeah. For, for me, some of the things that I was thinking about when um, we're talking about some of the podcasts that we've, learned most from there's sort of three that are related that I'll just talk about real quick. So, uh, there's a guy named Chris Neal and I interviewed, um, who's really passionate about cult brands. I mean, his company's called cult collective <laughs> talks a lot about loyalty. And so we have disagreements there on that. Mm, yeah. But what I like about the conversation there is uh, that I had with him is that it is a really challenging conversation because we didn't always agree on what on the on the topic and so trying to articulate what it was that i didn't agree with or <laughs> or or seeing a different point of view i thought was so interesting because it forced me to rethink all the things that i thought i knew mm. um so it was is interesting from that side of thing and so i you know for all the conversations i've had with people and like that's one of the things I, i've loved is just hearing the different opinions the other one is on you know talking about um you know you know are we gonna all or all we gonna do is build out a brand brief or you know the cmo the right title or you know how do we get right. strategy from it just being marketing to more business and and stuff there's two guys that i was had spoken to at different times one is named eddie obang and other guys named Manoj jasra and And so the two of those, what I liked about that are as a linked idea is Eddie talked about, there's a difference between change and transformation. It's like, mm. he talked about the idea of a caterpillar and how a caterpillar can get fatter and that's change. But transformation <laughs> is a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And that's, that's, I mean, that's terrifying for a lot of people to talk about because it, it's not, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen when you go in this cocoon. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, the whole uh, analogy of that, I thought was really interesting. And then along that lines, Manoj talked about the idea of momentum being really important. And so I think so often we, we see things like what's the ROAS on this? Like what's the return we're getting? What like now, 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 now. Mm -hmm. And some of those things are like, those are important for sure. But if we're talking about long-term brand building and all the things that go into that, I really like the idea of prioritizing momentum as well, because there's just so many things that need to align and change and you get mm. buy-in from different people. And, and so what comes out at the end of this three-year, you know, commitment that you're making to, you know, increasing market penetration and market share and all those kinds of things, 
uh, is a journey. And I, I really like that idea, but about not knowing what's going to happen necessarily, but committing to it and just accepting momentum is a good thing. Right. Well, that is uh, change is hard, right? Like <laughs> and transformation, yeah. even harder. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to find a podcast guest that I had on Canadian. Um, there's a lot of good stuff going on in Canada. Probably really Mark. good. Yeah, yeah really. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's all the maple uh, syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he talked in in particular a, a lot about change, and um, yeah, give me a minute and I'll find it. Oh, Joe Jackman. Yeah. So um, Joe Jackman, I think he's at out of Toronto or outside of Toronto. Um, but we talked quite a bit about change and transformation. I think his company is even like the innovation agency or something like that. Hmm. So it's, um, you know, and helping companies to, to your point, evolve themselves. Mm -hmm. Usually it's large companies that have kind of lost their way or being disrupted in some form or fashion. Um, but it's really tackling the human component, um, to allow for that change to happen, which I, I thought was mm -hmm. pretty insightful. Yeah. There's, there's two like interesting things that I'd love to like put on top of this. Like one of them, I think is what I've been learning a lot about lately is from, uh, JP Castlin. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. he's talking a lot about emergence and emergence strategy. And it's like an, an, an interesting little field when you're talking about momentum and so on is this idea of you, you have to let go a little bit of the idea that, that your strategy is going to work out as, yeah. as planned. And you have to let other inputs dictate what's going to happen. And, and like this idea of we're living in a complex world and mm -hmm. markets are complex and you can't really decide it all. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting thought on a pragmatic level. I think you still need that strategy to have some direction mm -hmm. and go somewhere. But I think the thinking that comes out of people like JP Kaslin can be interesting to have and, and just to open up a little bit of that rigorous, like traditional planning methodology and, sure. and like be open for, for new things. And then another thing I, I, I love to, um, uh, talk about when we're talking about marketing is I really enjoy everything Paul Feldwick has been doing. And I know it's quite advertising focused, but his take on branding yeah. is really like, I listen he brings to that one, it back. The peddler sings, right? Yeah. I listened to the one you did with yeah. him. That yeah. was great. Yeah. It's, it's the way he like talks about branding is like he, he pulls it back into history to when people went out in markets and they sold like, <laughs> like, uh, snake oil, oil stuff <laughs> like that was the that's the origin of marketing it's like you go stand in a square and you start shouting very interesting things maybe do a little bit of a show like a circus around it and then you <laughs> get people to buy that and that's the idea really of entertainment mm -hmm. and he's like really like he 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 really makes his point that marketers has become maybe it's more advertisers though but we've become so afraid to just be entertaining mm -hmm. and fun and build fame and those are like the real basics of, of brand building in a way. And I really love his like very like turning it all, all upside down mm -hmm. and looking at the origins of, of advertising, not as the smart, like Ogilvy types of people who, who wrote really smart and savvy stuff, but like the kind of sleazy people <laughs> selling mm -hmm. or the peddler going door to door. Yeah, yeah. That's like the real origin of marketing. I, I kind of like that. Like it's makes, it makes it simple again. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th I think I saw, uh, if, if you look up the oldest ads in the world, one of them, it's like this image that you can find on um, a carving on a marble slab that was on the ground in some path. And it was like a footprint pointing one direction and then a, carving of a woman's head which was like go this way f for the whorehouse <laughs> i'm like oh that's like you know it is maybe the oldest profession <laughs> like, yeah just very straightforward very very true i mean not to go to both extremes but i always think about like the oldest forms of marketing is really religion 
right? Like, yeah. if you think about branding and symbology and um, building community around the brand, um, mm-hmm. you, I mean, almost every religion in the world kind of falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess we've now covered prostitution and religion all within <laughs> the same the, the podcast. <laughs> wow, and and that also that also covers purpose, so we can get on. That. Yes, <laughs> check, check, check. The three, the so, new three Ps. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As far as wow. the the largest opportunity or threats, then maybe maybe this is a threat. <laughs> But um, what do you guys, what do you, how do you guys think about, you know, big opportunities or big threats? Mm. Alan, you, you have yeah, I mean, for me, it's, there's two, two pieces to this and and they're both, they're both opportunities and threats, but one is like the, um, how we organize ourselves as Mm -hmm. teams um, and, and many of the like barriers we've been talking about through this conversation of like, you know, is that brand strategy or is that business strategy? Is that marketing strategy? Like the barriers that we've built is in part an opportunity to fix that, like break those mm-hmm. down, um, create more, you know, whether you want to say like teams of teams of, you know, self-controlled, mm-hmm. self-decision-making groups that can skirt across disciplines i think is a Mm -hmm. huge opportunity within marketing to try to get that right and bring speed to the equation as well um Mm -hmm. to respond to customer needs etc um so that's one that's how we organize ourselves um the the other one that scares me a little bit is the just continued like industrialization or consolidation of channels you know like Mm -hmm. you know the whether it's Facebook or, or Meta, I, I can't get used to calling it Meta. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Google, um, but they control so much of the ecosystem of marketing that it, it's a little scary to me. Now that may get disrupted if we're successful with like the next generation of the web, like um, you know, and, and or new entrants come to the market. I hope, um, but they just feel so codified right now it's a little scary if you're a marketer hmm. love that yeah those are good <laughs> uh I, I have one uh fear it's like i'm gonna sound old although i'm not that old actually but like i i feel like a lot of and this has been said a lot of times in branding and and probably i'm it's an old song but i think like there's a lot of fear of showing character and in like being a little bit weird or or funny or different and i and i mean that mostly visual like Mm. i i do see the whole trend of brands having this aesthetic that's very similar and it's Mm -hmm. very typography driven and i love that but in a way it's it makes it really hard to stand out Mm. and like it's it probably has to do with the way we just design things in digital tools and and I, I like I'd love to see some more quirkiness and, and weirdness and and maybe even like a, some pixelated funky stuff going on. I don't know what mm-hmm. what it is, but it's just I, I feel like it's really like even the the legacy the iconic brands they look really well uh, rebranded. Like Burger King did a rebrand lately, and it's really cool. But in a way, it's all becoming like more similar. So that's something I, I see both as fear and as opportunity. There's an opportunity to create more like mascots and funny things and mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And like what Paul Feldwick says, like make brands entertaining. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, like that's that. a good one. There's a great visual on the internet of luxury brands that have rebranded yeah. to your very point. They, they all look the same when it's all said and done. The blending. Yes, the blending. Visual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Mark, any points? Any any closing thoughts? Because we're almost there. Yeah, I I mean, for me, I would say uh, kind of like what you were talking about, Alan, like the or and stuff. You know, like I think strengths and weaknesses are often you know it's a double edged sword or it's you know flip sides of the same coin. And I, I, from that perspective, I think the biggest opportunity and threat is us, like marketers, that you know, or advertiser, however we kind of call ourselves. Um. And, and with that, like, I, 
I love like the myth busting stuff that we started talking about. And I think we all kind of had a similar purpose, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, what what's working and what is working and why is it work and being able to explain that. And so just blindly following things um, that people say, like when I first started in radio and TV, you know, as a sales guy, everyone was like, well, we got to build everything off of three frequency. And there's no truth in that. <laughs> like, that's not real. <laughs> But that's just what everybody says or things like it's cheaper to make than keep a customer or mm. cheaper to keep than make a mm. customer. And there's zero fact in that. You know, there's mm. all these things like SWATs and Maslow. Ritson's got also you know, an amazing <laughs> top 10 list. And he goes off about some people specifically. Um, but yeah, like, it's you know, chasing these trends like TikTok or NFTs and all that kind of stuff is it's not the solution those are a means to an end but they're not the solution i think we we need to prove that things are working and i, I you know going back to that diagram at the beginning i think you yeah. know it's a really good thing like you don't start at the end at just promotion you have to start at a higher level hmm. so for me that's that's the opportunity and, and uh threat awesome well thanks for doing this guys yeah. this was this is fun chat yeah, I loved it. And I, as I said, like, I love having more conversations with people from different, like, disciplines all related to the same thing. So I think this is one of those uh, cool things to do. Thanks a lot for yeah. chatting. That was great. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Mark. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that show. We've got lots of notes and links in the show notes below, so feel free to look there. Also, for any questions you may have related to marketing effectiveness, creative performance, business strategy, or customer insights, reach out to us. Uh, You can reach me on LinkedIn or reach out to Anstice through Anstice, A-N-S-T-I-C-E dot C-A. And otherwise, I hope you have an awesome day. Take care. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market